Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the RPG Backtrack. And I forgot totally if I'm not supposed to say it's September or not, because I don't think you ever answered me. But just in case we didn't, September 2008. It's September 2008, and we have a panel here today here to talk with you about old classic RPGs. I'm going to have to stop saying old and classic and... We're going to talk to you about RPGs from the past. We're taking a backtrack. Everybody's favorite thing to do in RPGs, backtrack and go over things you've been over millions of times, isn't it? That's why I like it. That's why you like Infinite Undiscovery, right? Yeah. You just keep backtracking over and over and over. So, because to, all the good RPGs are old. You know, yeah. if you want to play something great, you know. You can't play what came out this week. You have to play what came out, you know, 15 years ago. Well, that's not totally true. What came out this week is Eager Union and Dragon Quest IV. You know, those You're right. I picked week. a really bad week to say that. What came out next week? Great. Now we've just dated it again. So, <sighs> Sorry, Nice. We've dated our podcast ah, again. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's it. We suck. We fail. It's not even been a minute, and we fail. Fails ours. All right. So today we are talking about the Ogre Battle series. We've decided to take a little bit broader perspective this time, just to kind of get a feel for things and kind of see what people like. And we're not limiting ourselves to just one title, but we are going to start off with one title. We're going to start off talking today about Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen. And from there, we're going to kind of spread out and see how far it takes us. So, Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen, an initial release on the Super Nintendo Either of you play it on that? Yes. Yeah. You did play the Super Nintendo edition. Okay, mm-hmm. see, I didn't even get to touch it until the PlayStation version. The Super Nintendo edition came out in Japan in 93 and North America in 1995, with the PlayStation release being in 1997. Later on, it was the same game ported to the PlayStation. Now, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about your experience with Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen. Your initial experience. What started you off? Where did you first see the game or hear about it? Um, you know, when you're little and you trade games with... I'm not sure if anybody else did this, but you know, you'd have friends and they'd have certain games. And if you weren't Had friends? Rich, no. Didn't, didn't have any. Well, you I have know people Glenn. who live close to you. Or, you know, so... Um, I had friends in childhood. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, we traded... Um, you know, exchanged to borrow each other's video games. And one of the first ones we did with this, this kid when we moved to a new town whenever I was in um, middle school, is he, uh, one of the first games I played was Ogre Battle, and that was probably right around the time it came out. It was, yeah, I think we moved to the, um, a place called Tuttle, Oklahoma, about 92. But, um... My so first you tricked a poor kid out of his copy of Ogre Battle for the N- Super Nintendo? No, is I, that what you're telling This me? is the same kid that um, had my copy of Final Fantasy VI when it got blown away with a tornado. So... <laughs> yeah, what, with the tornado. Yeah, the great tornado. Oh, I forget you're in Oklahoma. Yeah, the great tornado, the one that um, I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with. Uh, this is off topic, but anyone's familiar with the uh, history of? There was a huge tornado. I don't know, like seven, eight years ago. It went off the charts. It was so big, it like leveled an entire town to nothing. And uh, yeah, that was that was one of the casualties. Was my Final Fantasy VI. Oh. Uh, yeah. But Did he ask for Ogre Battle back after that? No. Yeah. Did you got to keep it? I got to keep it. It's somewhere in my parents' house. I, I've been trying to look for it. Um, 
but one of the greatest things I remember about it, just initial impressions, was the fact that it. Uh, this is kind of a a bad thing for I guess when you're little. Uh, is there was tarot cards and it would ask you questions, mm-hmm. and it affected what class you were. And something else that I when I was young, I mean you know I wasn't an expert or anything, but the fact that you when you had little battles, because I had played the Shining Force games a lot beforehand, and you know that was yeah, just like used to that. yeah there was just one character against one character. But you had a little group of characters in this, and, you know. And yeah, brief, briefly describe the battle system and how Ogre Battle, Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen is. What you know, it was a different kind of game. It was something that you hadn't really seen before, even if you'd played tactical RPGs like Shining Force. What was the battle system like? Um, as far as I remember it, and correct me if it, if it's been wrong because it's been years since I've played it, but. Uh, it was just a tactical RPG like you'd normally think of it. You know, there was a story, and they actually had a pretty decent story at that. But uh, how the battles formed out is you'd, you'd form little groups, which if... Um, I haven't played Soul Nomad yet, and I think, Seventh, you were the one who sent that to me? I think... I think yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of... You set up these little groups of uh, of characters. That They're called squads. Yeah, squads. squads that represents one little, little icon on, on the isometric grid. And... Um, Depending on where Your little icon kind of bounces around this little world map, yeah, slowly moving along like a giant chess piece on a world mm-hmm. map. And if you there was a front rank and a back rank, I don't think it was a middle rank. It was just front and back. And depending on where you put your your different character class on the rank, they would attack in a different way. And um, so you it was it was a tactical RPG, but you attacked in little tiny groups of people. That actually turn once you initiated combat within the little groups, kind of acted out like little turn-based battles, sort of. But if I remember correctly, you didn't. Did you control the characters? I don't think you did. Did you? No. Yeah, they no, just. You didn't. They just fought Glenn, each other. Glenn, could you go into a little more detail about once you actually got in the battles? I, I've I've just played this recently, just kind of refresh myself because it's been probably. Oh God, I feel old now. It's probably been almost eight, nine years since I've seen this game until just a couple weeks ago. Back in yeah, the well, day. So what? Back in the day when my ogre battle was... was Get off my lawn or I'll <laughs> attack you with a tarot card. Burned teenagers. <sighs> so I played Ogre Battle recently. I bought the PlayStation version off eBay in December 2007 and then played it mostly over the holidays. And when you go into battle, as I said, you... You make squads, but then on the actual map, it only shows the squad leader, and they slowly move across the map, and the battles took forever. Yeah. But whenever your unit collided with an enemy unit, it would kind of it would turn into a turn-based battle that you couldn't control. So you would just sit there and you'd watch, and your squad of up to five people would attack the enemy squad of up to five people. And depending on where they were positioned and what class they were, each unit would move differently. It's like a wizard in the back row might cast two powerful spells but a wizard in the front row might bop him with the staff and do no damage at all. Yeah. So, I mean, some of it was obvious you'd only put wizards in the back row, but some units, I think like a, a paladin, would attack three times in the front row or would cast a healing spell if you put him in the back. So there was some strategy to where some units were versatile, like Valkyries were pretty versatile, were a magic attack in the back row or an attack in the front, and the only commands you could issue were very vague. Like you could tell them to attack the weakest character or attack the strongest or attack the leader, but it, the AI was a little spotty. Like it, they, they really like to attack the enemy right in front of them. So if they were, say, on the far left, and there was an enemy directly in front of them, because it's set up on a little grid, 
they would attack the enemy right in front of them. They don't care. You could tell them attack the weakest character or attack the leader. Even if they have the ability to, they'll just attack the person right in front of them. So, so they were lazy. Control. They just wanted to attack whoever that was closest. I like to right. think of it as bloodlust. They were so <laughs> built up and in a berserker state that the first thing in front of them making eye contact with them got beheaded. That was the way So, speaking of bloodlust and attacking the first person closest to you, I figured now would be a good time for introductions, considering I forgot them earlier. So, what better time than now? And I'm going to attack the person closest to me, which would be Mr. Glenn Wilson, staff reviewer. You're physically probably the closest to Tennessee, I'd say. Closer than Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm pretty far. This is where I announce to the world that my U.S. geography is horrible. But I'll take your word for it. I know when I ship things, they get to you faster than anybody else, so you're probably the physically closest, and I just never ship things to Oliver. I'd call him a pillock, but I don't want Lucifer to have that kind of staying power, even though I just mentioned him, and therefore he does. I'm going to cry now. So, say hello, Glenn, Seventh Circle, staff reviewer. Hi, all. I'm Glenn, Seventh Circle, staff reviewer. A.K.A. Appeased. Horrible at geography. Yeah, well... You are there, like, there were video games that took place in America. I probably my Japan geography is better than my United States geography. So you could probably know, find your way around like a video game world map better than you could the United States. Is that what you're yeah, telling? Exactly. Exactly. I didn't I'm play enough Where in the World or Where in the U.S. is Carmen San Diego as a kid. That might have taught me something. Oh, I'm never gonna give you a world map or give you an airship or anything to fly me around in. We'd get lost. All right, and next with us is head of new updates, Mr. Jonathan Self, a.k.a. Neist. Say hello, Jonathan. Hello. Jonathan. <laughs> you should be the Hello. Hello. What? What is it? <laughs> Stop poking right, me. You told me, they said. See the world, they said. <laughs> Well, we totally jump uh, video games from Tactics Ogre over to Warcraft. I'll introduce myself. My name's Michael Cunningham, also known as Max Storm. I'm the head of public relations currently, and I just wanted to say hello. I'm your host as well. And as I double-click Glenn again to see if I can get him to work, what really set Ogre Battle apart? (laughs) Was I even supposed to touch that? Anyway, what was your question now that you're done uh, double-clicking me until I work? <laughs> work, work. What? All right, so you were telling us a little bit about the gameplay and how it's kind of a real-time action system that goes into a non-controllable, spotchy AI turn-based combat system. Yes. Had you played anything else similar to the game at the time? Oh, no, this is... Or since tactics game I ever placed I ever played um, I tried it because I mean again like I mentioned in Super Mario RPG backtrack that we did I mean I kind of got my RPG news advice from Nintendo Power and after Ogre Battle came out it got a lot of coverage in uh, whatever they call their RPG section like Epic Center or Epic Corner always had questions about Ogre Battle in it and when they had people writing in for questions which was probably all fake but it was always about Ogre Battle because the game told you how to do nothing so it was after months of reading about Ogre Battle and Nintendo Power that I finally decided this is like a fun game so I, I rented it 
and battles took two, three, four hours to beat. Yeah. And this was at a time as a kid that I was only allowed to play for 30 or 60 minutes at a time. And this so it, it caused enough family strife that I was never able to convince a parent to buy the game for me. Oh. And by the time I got older and went to buy it, it was impossible to find. And this That's is a, sad. That's a good point, time yeah. to mention that uh, that was one of the, the horrible things about this original Super Nintendo version of the game, is that um, whenever you were playing it, is it I think they implemented in the PlayStation version that you could do quick saves in the middle of fights. Yeah. You couldn't in the Super Nintendo yeah. version. So you just had to... That's correct. Yeah, you just had to play straight through it. It was horrible. That's All right, why so you have two to three hour battles. Yeah, some of the first yeah, ones weren't we're too bad, but... we're longer. Yeah. I'll go ahead and admit, you know, I have played very, very little of this game. I picked it up when I was working at EB many, many years ago, back before they had the soul sucked out of them. And they would let you actually take games home and play them, you know, so I actually had the game in my hand, which I really wish I'd have kept now, because I could have probably turned it for a nice penny on eBay right now. Yeah, the game's really expensive. Just be like, Tornado took it. (laughs) Yeah, Tornado (laughs) blew it away, even though there's not really tornadoes that much in Tennessee. So, I had this game in my hands, I tried it out, I was sitting there, used to, you know, more direct combat, used to quick Easy battles, not really quick easy battles. I'd been playing, you know, I guess at the time, it was, I guess, a little bit before Final Fantasy Tactics had come out, and I was probably really familiar with, I guess, Shining Force and Vandal Hearts had played those recently, and this was just so slow, and it seemed like it took forever to do anything. You had to watch this little figure bounce up to these towns and liberate them, and I was like, what's the point of this? And then I got into combat, and I was like, I'm not really in control. This isn't any fun. You know, I was really impatient as a gamer, as a younger gamer, and still am for the most part. So, you know, the real-time strategy element seemed cool at the time, and the tactical element seemed cool at the time. But when you mixed them together, this just really seemed like a slow thing. And hearing that the battles ended up being like two or three hours long, ugh! How did you ever get anywhere in this game? How were you ever able to play it for any amount of time? It sounds like you didn't. Oh yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, I'd never played a RTS before. I'd never played a tactics game before. I, I didn't have a Genesis, so I'd never played Shining Force. So like, this is the first game like that I'd ever played. And I loved the high fantasy setting that... The way the different classes worked. I mean, it was the first jobs... Uh, first game with jobs or classes I had played. And the of course, cra- not having played Final Fantasy three or Final Fantasy five, so like it was so it was such a novelty. There were so many new things I'd never seen in a video game before that I was like, spend three hours sitting in front of the TV watching my king slowly trudge across the swamp. Like this is so much fun. That was great. And the cl- the classes were incredibly charming too. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I played the game. I I attempted to start the game many many times, and I think. I'm not sure if I ever actually finished any of the times, but uh, the uh, character designs were incredibly charming. In fact, I don't think I've... That's one reason I never got into the Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Tactics games, is like the classes and stuff were so neat and so unique that you just kind of wanted to play the game because of them. And the music, too, was really good. So, you know, you kind of you kind of struggle through some of it, minus all of its faults, but... Alright, so here's something I want to know. Being kind of the person with the least experience in this... When I first started the game, I was kind of thrown into this world map, was told, you know, go around, visit these towns, liberate them, and, you know, you just click on your little character, and you click move, and you go up, and it says, yay, you've liberated the town, they give you a tarot card. 
Where in the world do you get all the character customization? Does it come in in the later battles? Do I have to be a little more patient to it? I've really not gotten that far at all in this game. So we'll where are these cool, charming character classes that you're talking about? How deep did you have to get into this game to really enjoy it? Well, the um, go ahead and, um, and um, Seventh, if you uh, correct me on the old one, because the last game I played was the uh, Game Boy Advanced one, so my memories might be tainted by it a little bit. But if I recall correctly, you had to whenever you did something in combat, you would get points up in certain stats depending on how often you did it. And depending now the game, let me interrupt you there. The Game Boy Advance one was Tactics Ogre. Yeah, which Tactics was Ogre. A totally different style of game. Yeah. Well, it then was this was the straight turn based. Then this must have been like that then, because how would this was one of the difficult part, and you almost needed if you wanted to make a certain class, you almost needed a guide because. You'd need strength to keep your strength below this, but have your magic above this, and there would be certain ways you could do it. So the characters evolved dynamically, uh, depending on how you use them. And there was a base set of of classes. There was like a little bitty fighter that was just like this little short guy with a a shield and a sword. And I think the uh, fe- that was the male character. And I think the female one was a uh, was an archer of some kind. And that was the basis yeah. that bloomed all the rest of the classes. But there was also special items that you'd find. And um, so, like, if you'd found... I think it was a crown. If you found a crown, like, if you stood in a certain spot in one of the levels, you'd get, like, an item that would turn your character, if they were one thing, into a class that was, you know, completely unique. And um, so... the char- It was a very deep character customization, but if you never caught on or never had a list to see how you did it, you probably would totally oversee most of the character customization. Just because it went... So this is- yeah. Go ahead. Just because it went so deep that, I mean, you know, if you didn't know that, like, to make a ninja, you needed the agility over X and to keep the strength under this, but have have the magic in between these two numbers, and it ha- you had to level them up at the same time. Didn't they level? I'm pretty sure they leveled. Yeah. yeah. You're you're mostly right. That was why I didn't I didn't jump in and interrupt you. It's uh, it's like strength, magic, intelligence. Yeah. That doesn't change dynamically. Oh. But with the problem that you have to balance is your character's alignment. That's what's a, a pain. Based mm-hmm. on the way a single unit behaves, your alignment becomes from chaotic to lawful. Mm-hmm. And some of the unit classes have very picky alignments you have to be in. And there are, there might also... Gosh, I'm not sure remember now if it was Ogre Battle or Ogre Battle 64. But you might have to meet strength or intelligence requirements. But the main issue with balancing was balancing the alignment. And Mac, it's like a 200-hour game. Yeah, it's so really long. you might be able to go the first 10 battles, or not 10 battles, 10 hours, and not see anything about updating your classes. And so you don't really know what you're doing for the first 10 hours. Like you said, I remember when you were talking about when you initially got the game, you were just not told what to do at all. You are just going in there and trying to figure this out as you go. My, that- my impression of this, and I've, I've played Ogre Battle three times, including the time I rented it and played played the heck out of it for a weekend, but I've, I've beaten it once, almost beat it another time, and then I had the time I rented it. And my take on it was that you're supposed to not know what you're doing the first time. And the game's Okay, so hard, it's just kind of a... Yeah, that's like, the I whole point? Like, Figure it yeah, out for yourself? Experience. Yeah, and it, it's, it, it doesn't... It's horrible because if you don't know quite of what you're doing and you level up your characters improperly and you don't have enough of certain characters, you might get 20 hours in and realize it's gotten too hard for to keep playing. So you have to restart again, which was lovely. You can always destroy. I mean, if you just play as an evil character and just murder everything and level up, 
you can beat the game pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The real challenge comes in the game in trying to stay good. Like one of the stats that it says nowhere, but it has a huge impact on how you play and what ending you get is your leader's uh, charisma. Your leader's charisma needs to stay high the entire game to do well. But okay. it never tells you that. The manual, the game, they don't tell you how to keep your charisma high, much less that your lead, like your avatar, who you are in the game, his character's charisma has to stay high all game. So they should so, just call this FAQ battle, so that you know <laughs> yeah. to go and look up an FAQ to where you understand what you're doing here. That's why the Japanese loved this game. It was very stat-driven and very very picky with the way you played. So, I mean, I don't know if you want me to get into this now. It kind of answers your yeah. question, too. But, like, one of the things I thought about Ogre Battle is the way you play it changes drastically over the course of the game. For maybe the first third of the game, you're fighting for survival. The units are tough. You're trying to play each map strategically so that you don't get a game over and lose three hours of progress. <laughs> and that's about the first third of the game. Then the unit classes open up. And then you have to start paying close attention to your unit's alignment, to your unit's charisma, and guessing. I mean, they want you to do trial, trial and error, I guess. Guessing how to change your alignment and how to change your charisma so that the unit classes fit, so that you can take your crummy archer and upgrade it to a Valkyrie, and then a Valkyrie to, I think, a Muse is the highest level class. Yeah. Or if you have a, a soldier who you want to be a mage, he has to be evil. So it might be a wizard. And then the wizard has to stay evil, and then it becomes a mage. And then, as Nice said, you might get a certain item later that turns it into a lich. So the middle third of the game is detailed, looking at charisma and alignment, and fighting each battle, and paying attention to what units are battling which units. So if you have someone you want to be a paladin, you can't have him go slaughter a bunch of angels, because it would lower his alignment. Yeah. Or yeah, you can't have... Deity right, like it was kind of logical but never explained. So if you have like a level 20 knight and you want him to be a paladin, you'd have to make him destroy like werewolves or vampires or ghosts or demons to get his alignment high so he can become a paladin. Fighting the undead. And then, so alignment and then, really is a big thing in this, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, but there's, there's, and then there's also a separate stat that keeps track of how evil you're acting. And for the last third of the game, by now you have no trouble beating the maps. You've probably set your classes up so that they're all, they won't change anymore. You've about maxed them out. And the last third of the game, you have to really concentrate on not being evil, on liberating cities with high alignment units. So if you have a, a squad of demons, you don't want to go liberate a city with it because that will not make you a popular person in the populist <laughs> side. Slaughter them all, kill them, leave no one alive. And you can't have your leader be evil, so you can't have your leader running around destroying everything. And the leader, for most of the game, is one of the most powerful units. I would imagine a paladin taking a horde of demons somewhere. Just That doesn't seem to match up really well. It's kind of like having you know, fire and ice together. They don't really mix, do they? I mean, could you have that in the game? Could you have a paladin taking a horde of demons somewhere? I think you Yes, could. but there is a hidden, unexplained uh, component... To if the if the characters got along well with the leader, they would fight better. So if you oh. put four evil units with a holy leader, they wouldn't do as much damage as battle as four good units with a holy leader. But okay. this wasn't explained or numerically displayed in the game at all. Okay, I'm just a complete and total idiot because this game it just seems way more in depth, and I just it's not that I don't think I could understand it later on. It's just do I really want to take the time to understand it 
I mean, right, and things you don't have to. If, as long as you survive past that first third of the game where you have low levels and the battles are tough, if you make it past the thir- first third, you'll be leveled up enough. The enemy levels don't increase very quickly in the middle end of the game. So if you can survive the first third, you can beat the game and never understand any of this. And then you'll get a bad ending where your leader becomes a demon and his people revolt and hang him. The end. And then you get to play for 200 hours again Spoilers! to try to Spoilers! <laughs> That's the way the endings were. They were they were very basic. They were based off how you played. As All right, Jonathan. As did her- you? Yeah. Uh, as, Go I wanna, for it. I want to say something real fast. As horrific as the character creation was, there was situational ways that you could just make random characters. Like if you're fighting, and people might go through the entire game and never realize this, but if you have a certain character class and like you fight a, a werewolf and they bite you with a certain attack, your character will turn into a werewolf. Or and during the night, because the the game actually cycled through day and night. There's vampires that you get the same way too. Um, so not all of them were that horrible. And if I remember correctly, once they actually changed to something permanent, like if you used the item on them, I don't think they could change back. So some of that character creation stuff sounds really horrific of trying to balance things, but there was ways to bypass it at least a little bit slightly. All right. So all in all, this is an extremely deep game with tons and tons of stats that you can play and not have a clue what you're doing the whole time and still enjoy it, is what you're telling me. You can not have a clue what any of the stats mean, not have a clue how to create characters, what to do, but you can still go through it and still enjoy it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, but you might not get very far, very easily. Depending upon one's definition of enjoy, yes. (laughs) Some people like being beaten with whips, too, so those people might enjoy this kind of game. You know, uh, Ogre Battle seems to be a very, very popular cult classic as far as what really started, um, I guess, you know, talk a little bit about Quest and how the original developers for this series was kind of headed by Yasumi Matsuno. And if I butchered his name, forgive me. I, I do that. So, you know, this was kind of his baby. It was, I guess, his initial claim to fame, as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, so as far right. as I know. Maybe he did something really it's, tiny before that, but... It was, it was the first uh, game he was the lead designer for. Okay. So he was the lead designer on this, I guess, you know, considered being a, the director, per se. And, you know, you had Sakamoto that was, you know, kind of headed in the soundtrack, and one of his initial big greats that, you know, started their partnership from now until the end of time. I thought it was neat that, you know, apparently Matsuno was so, so in love with Queen that he named... You know, the subtitles of these games after songs by Queen, so. <laughs> yes. Once again, my random music knowledge that nobody but me probably cares about. I've heard of that before, but I completely forgot about it. Yeah, I, I know things that no other people should know. And I don't know why. So this was initially released on Super Nintendo by Enix here in the United States. And then again on the PlayStation by Atlas. And that leads us into the second game that was part of this Ogre Battle series. And I guess I'm not really going in order per se, but the second one we're going to talk about was Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber. What kind of subtitle is that? Person of Lordly Caliber? Uh, What does that mean? Matsuno was already gone, so they didn't use a Queen song. Yeah. Yeah. I know, we'll jump back to his other stuff there. 
But uh, person of lordly caliber, yeah, I definitely haven't ever heard Queen do anything like that. It just let's make up a name that sounds very lordly and very formal. Yeah. So either of y'all played this one? Uh, only very lightly. Uh, I think I rented it, or I I was trying to. I remember distinctively that I I wanted to buy the game and I couldn't find it anywhere. I heard a lot of ifs, wants, almost, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you failed. I did fail. <laughs> well, like, um, you, do you guys ever remember trying to hunt for this game? Even when it came out? They, they must have shipped such a small I'm... number of them. I mean, I tried. I even tried eBay. I couldn't find a copy. I mean, right you can now, get them now. Right now, it's on eBay fairly they're cheaply. Yeah, they're on could, eBay now. Yeah, yeah they don't you could cost get them now, much. but back then it was impossible to find the stupid things. So, I guess you're going to have to save us on this one, Glenn. Have you played yeah, Ogre Battle 64? Think, you'd think that maybe I have a say in what games we discuss, because uh, Ogre Battle 64 is one of my favorite games, one of my favorite console games ever made. Ever I made? I love Ogre ever Battle 64. Wow. Ever? Ever, oh. well, yeah, one of my favorite console games ever. Right. Console's the big caveat, the big uh, exception, the warning, because I love a lot of PC games more than console games for the most part. Okay. Well, we'll forgive you of that. And but, uh, yeah, it, it came out during my freshman year of college, and I told I was home for Thanksgiving and told my father I wanted it for Christmas, and he was like, why don't we go out and buy it now? I was like, oh, okay. So he yeah. went out and bought it right then, and then, it, as Nice said, it, it was impossible to find in stores shortly thereafter. It came out right at the end of the N64's life cycle, if the N64 actually had a life cycle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's debatable. So, you know, this was another one developed by Quest, but at this point, Mitsuno had already left to join Square. Mm-hmm. And it was released by Nintendo in Japan in July of 99, and by Atlas in the United States in October of 2000. So, what made Ogre Battle 64 different from the original Ogre Battle? Well, it was fun, it was enjoyable, it made sense, it wasn't 200 hours long, (laughs) the battles weren't 4 hours long, I think I think you could save in the middle of battle. So I'm it's more sure. accessible? A lot more accessible? <laughs> Am I making it sound like it's better in every way? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't sound biased in the least. The gameplay was pretty much the same. You you had a giant map. You had your units. The leader of each unit appeared on the map. Real-time strategy. When they collided, it turned into a turn-based battle you couldn't control. All of that was the same, but it was very cleaned up and made much more accessible. So in your very limited and useless experience, Jonathan, mm-hmm. uh, can you agree with that? Sure. Is there anything you noticed about it? Um, uh, not particularly. I'm just picking on you because it's fun. That's fine. A lot of people do it. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad of a game. I did manage to think I found it in a video rental place at some point uh, later on, and why my memories aren't quite as fond as uh, Ogre Battle because it's retro goggles and back then when you have no Nothing else to do. You'll play a game for 200 hours straight. Um, it was still very fun. It had no flaws, as far as I could tell. No flaws. None at all. Yeah. Sweet. The, I can agree with that. It's the epitome of perfection. You would give it a 5 out of 5 and never look back, is what you're telling me. Hey, a lot of games back then I probably would. But that's probably retro goggles. It's all retro goggles. It's hard to say. Because, you know, like when you're... Let's see, like in 1999... I was in high school, and that was in high school, and that was when I was in high school. 
You know, and I was going through that period of my life that every high school kid does when when you were in high school, yeah, doing when, high school stuff. You were wearing high schoolers. A, you were wearing a lot of black, and you hated the world. So uh. I was about to ask if you were popular in high school, but oh, I guess no. they answered that. No, no. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, on the podcast with the two most emo people in the world, apparently. <laughs> I'm not wearing black right now. Right now. Hey, I don't wear that. And black. Unlike Chris Foley, I am wearing clothes. I just wear okay. a lot of I just wear a lot of plaid and corduroy. That's the opposite of emo. Yeah. <laughs> plaid and corduroy is not emo. Well, I never said it was emo. <laughs> plaid, and cord- plaid and corduroy mean you're going to go out to the farm later, I think. <sighs> I don't own a pair of jeans. I own like 30 pairs of corduroy pants. I'm not even joking. Oh. Yeah. That is that is too funny. We need an updated picture of you in corduroy pants and flannel. What color? <laughs> <laughs> what color? I have salmon. Oh. I have green. Like bright green, I have you know all the normal colors: brown, black, tan. You know, okay. I have I have avocado. Yeah. In order to save us from this flannel fest and all of that stuff, so I want to know why Ogre Battle '64 is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, so far you've just told me it's like Ogre Battle, except faster and cooler. Were the graphics that yeah, much better? Harder, I mean, better, faster, stronger. You rebuilt it, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't happy sprite-based, but, you know, it still looked very similar, only in slightly 3D similar. But, I mean, you know... If it you, was... It was blurry N64 graphics. But, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it, for it, the it, 64 game, it was normal game, N64 it looked graphics, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what I mean. <laughs> no kidding. All right, and so it, one thing I haven't really heard about on either of these games, other than just vaguely, is, you know, the plot. You said it was kind of the... You know, of course, it's fantasy based. Was it a really, you know, detailed plot? Was it kind of one of those create your own hero and play out as this hero? And we're not really going to have any kind of specific characters you deal with. We just have a good side versus the bad side, and you need to fight it out. For the first Ogre Battle, it was kind of in between. I mean, this is Matsuno, so I mean, every video game he makes has crazy political ties and yeah, like country names and people names thrown at you, like. You live there, so you know who he's talking about. And it's like a novel. They all are, yeah, and the, the names are always crazy and long and have Zs and Ks and Rs all over them. They all kind of look the same after a while. That's but what it, we refer to as immersion. He wants, you, <laughs> he wants to throw you in over your head so you're immersed in the game. So the, the first Ogre Battle was like that, but um, there, were an impor- there were many different endings to the first Ogre Battle. I'm going to say there were a dozen, maybe 13 endings in Ogre Battle. But they are all like four screens of text. The actual way you play the game in terms of meeting people and interacting with them was about the same every time. Maybe different people would join you based upon how, again, this goes back to like the leader stats being important and reputation being important. You could interact with people, and there were a few choices you had to make, and some people would or wouldn't join you depending on how evil you were acting. But for the most part, the game kind of played out more in your mind. So you're evil, you're, you're bad, I'm not joining you. Something like that. I don't know, the one time I beat the <laughs> they game... They probably playing, didn't talk like that, I imagine. The one time I finished the game, I was playing as a very good leader, so everyone loved me and joined my party. Except, you know, like, demons. Demons weren't very pleased with me. So I had imagined, I'm not that much of an expert, if you're playing evil, maybe the demons would have been nicer to you. Yeah, they would have probably come up and been like, come on, dude, we're ready to go raise some towns. 
Ogre Battle 64, despite the fact that Matsuno was already gone, was largely already planned by him before he left. I think he has a, a writing credit for the script in the game. Hmm. So even though he wasn't the lead designer or the executive producer, because he, was, he wasn't working with Quest anymore, he did write, he did script a lot of the story for it. And Ogre Battle 64 had a very strong, what you'd think of as a typical Japanese RPG linear story that you're watching. And there were some choices that you had again, but they didn't have quite the impact that they did in Tactics Ogre. And the politics wasn't quite as real feeling as most of his games are, like in a Vagrant Story. So this truly was a really good game that got trapped on the worst system ever for RPGs. And probably printed very few and, copies. And, you know, the poor thing got lost to time, in other words, because, you know, it came out at the end of the. Nintendo 64's life cycle-ish. Right. And the way I saw it was, it was what, like, you know, in in Japan, it's very important to have a lead designer, give him free reign, and let him make whatever he dreams of making. I think Ogre Battle 64 was Matsuno's baby, and then he left, and then a group of people swarmed in and edited it and refined it and made something much better. (laughs) And I think that's missing from Matsuno's other games, where Vagrant Story is people who love it and people that hate it. I mean, I guess... Uh, for other Tactics, games, Final like Final Fantasy, Fantasy Twelve, where, you know, he also worked on the game, had to bail out, because he apparently went bat crazy he went insane, and, you know, a bunch of people hoarded in, and, you know, apparently cut out everything that people wanted from a Matsuno game. I still liked it, but, yeah. That's but an aside. was given another strong lead designer. Ogreal 64's lead designer and an executive producer are probably cogs in the Square Enix machine right now. They've never made any other games. This only game they ever made was Ogre Battle 64. All right, so I'm seeing the lead designer credited to Tetsuya. Yeah, not touching the last name. Azayaki. <laughs> God, I'm horrible. All right, so according to what I'm seeing on him, he was... Yeah... Like you said, not much else. Right, he in took the same place with Tactics Ogre Knights of Lotus. He was credited with that. So, yeah, other than that, he's not really been credited with anything else that it's showing. So it really was Matsuno's babies. What you're saying, and they just kind of refined the parts without taking his direction apart. They touched it up and made it good. Right, like instead of having a five-square grid, you had a nine-square grid, there was a middle row, units were more versatile, class growth was more intuitive. Uh, They hid the reputation meter from you, so you didn't exactly know what ending you were getting quite as much as you did in the first Ogre Battle. The Ogre Battle, there was a bar on the screen that told you how evil you were. In Ogre Battle 64, it only showed it to you at the end of the game. So it sounds like what you're saying is the key way to make a really great game is to get Matsuno in there, let him, you know, create his vision and then kick him out. Don't come in and redo everything, but just fine-tune the things that he was going nuts on and going a little too far on. Based on Ogre Battle 64 and that only, yes, that would make the perfect <laughs> game. Uh, I probably would give Ogre Battle 64 a 5. If I were to ever plug back in the N64 and play it and do a retro review, I'd probably give it a 5 out of 5. I really good. do like it. Yeah, it was really good. All right. I mean, I didn't play that much of it, but it, it was a very decent game. There was All right, so... Go ahead. ahead. No. No, go. Go. I was just going to say that that of what I played of it, there wasn't anything I could complain about. It was... I mean, you know, back... Even back on N64, uh, an in-depth RPG, the expectations aren't quite what they are now. I mean, now you expect it to be cinematic and everything to be... have 
incredible graphics and voice acting to be, you know, uh, incredible. But, you know, back then... Shallow gamers. Yeah, we're very shallow. But uh, for a game on N64 during the day, that was a good game. So, taking all of that into consideration, closing out the Ogre Battle section of this, what would you like to see now? Would you like to see... Uh, Virtual Console, Xbox Live Arcade. I don't really think we'd see it on that ever or anything. How would you like to see it? Would you like to see a remake, a port? Oh, I'd like to see what anything. What would you like to see, Jonathan? I'd like to see anything. I like anything. The, yeah, the, um, the the greatest thing about the Ogre Battle was, I mean, Final Fantasy Tactics, and you know, they have t- Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. They have certain classes, you know, like the Geomancer or, you know, whatever. Uh, the different mages that you could have and... Uh, but I really, really enjoyed the entire world that was created in Ogre Battle, and I would enjoy going back to any game that was a part of that world, as long as it was had similar gameplay to what the original ones were. You know, as long as it didn't deviate too much, because that's what made the Ogre Battle games really special. But uh, you'd like to see something along the same lines as Ogre Battle, but you'd like to see a new game, or preferably even, one that doesn't have a kid going back to a world of imaginary life, you know, and then going into Ogre Battle. Well, I mean, heck, even, gameplay. I mean, you know, and, and this wouldn't be far begone uh, Square Enix, but if they ever decided to re-release it on DS, I would be the first person to pre-order it. I mean, yeah, it would be a hashed-out remake, but I would buy it. I definitely would buy it. So, a port. Oh, yeah. You'd I, like, you'd... Oh, anything. Ogre Battle or Ogre Battle 64 or heck, both? Even, even even if it was a... Because the game is so expensive now, I mean, I would love to go back and play it, but if a, a loose copy of Ogre Battle on the Super Nintendo... Is like seventy, eighty dollars minimum. I mean, a complete version of it is well over a hundred. And if you get into really good condition games that have guides of any of the games, they get really expensive too. Maybe not the N sixty four ones, but like you know, any of the uh, you know, you get to Tactics Ogre or uh, the PS one version of it. They're all very, very, very expensive games. In fact, they might be some of the uh, for widely released games. They might yeah. be some of the most expensive See. games you can find. You're causing my alignment to, you know, turn to evil very, very quickly because I had this game in my (laughs) hands. I had it in my house. It was nice. I could have bought a brand new sealed copy. Nobody was fighting for it. (sighs) You're just making me sad now. Well, I mean, like, sealed copies, they do exist, but they go at overly inflated prices if you check Amazon or eBay. I mean, it's in, like, That's what I'm saying. I had one I could have bought for (laughs) $49.99 plus my employee discount. Oh, that would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. But I, I wanted to so, go back and rebuy all these a while back, and I'm when, it, when it occurred to me that I'd have to spend $500 to get all the games, I mean, that kind of... So, they're good, not worth rebuying, because it'd be kind of an inconvenience to play, but you'd take a port, a oh, re-release, yeah. a new game, something along the same style of gameplay, as long you'd as be was, fine with any of that. Yeah, as long as they didn't change it too much. I mean, they could change it a little bit just to modernize it or, you know, whatever. Uh, I wouldn't mind that much. But as long as the the nature of the combat and the combat was you know you walked around a little map in real time and you had little groups of enemies and I mean little squads of your characters that went around and attacked guys. All right. As long so as what if they changed it to where you're a ten year old boy going back and the enemies you're fighting world? are ferocious baby rabbits? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. And in your class choices, would there, would there you still could be pumpkin headed you know, guys the, in it? Uh, would there still be pumpkin headed guys? You could have fairies. You could have uh, little dandelions that could walk around and spray pollen on people, you know, kind of cute it up. 
Ogre Battle MMO. Confirmed. Would you like that? Would you like that? I'm not slamming Final Fantasy <laughs> Advance at all. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so you'd take anything. You, oh, yeah. you pretty much, you don't care what it is. You'll just take it Ogre Battle. What about you, Glenn? Tell me, what would you like to see for Ogre Battle? Well, first, I think it needs to be said that there's a bit of a legal ownership nightmare around the Ogre Battle series. Yeah. That What as, game isn't there a legal ownership battle? Well, it's mostly Final because Square doesn't start with what? Final or Fantasy. <laughs> you know, Super Mega Mario. Man. Yeah, Mega Man, Zelda. Mario. If it doesn't have that, you know. Well, for a loved RPG, this is one of the more messed up ones, just in that. I mean, just, just as I understand it, as you know. Like Chrono Trigger or something. Or, what is, is the that, legal things? Because Quest was bought by Square. You know, after half of their employees were already working there. Uh, yeah, publishers. Atlas, as far as I know, Atlas has the publishing rights to both Ogre Battle and Ogre Battle 64 in America. But now Square owns the development rights to both games. Oh, so so it had to be Atlas and Square hugging each other in some way to oh, get it to come out in America again. Yeah, that would be odd. Mm. And probably Atlas wouldn't make enough as copies that they wanted, etc. Like, in, in an ideal world... Ogre Battle 64 was the largest N64 cartridge ever made. Or at least it was when it came out. I think it was, it was like... I was uh, reading. It was 320 mega... Megabits. Bit. I think it was pretty expensive. It was like the, 40 megs? 40 megabytes? Yeah. So if it came out on the virtual console, it might be a bit of a mess. It'd be kind of big. <laughs> yeah, considering the virtual console has little to no memory as is, <laughs> I can imagine that game being downloaded. Mario be jumping on those blocks for about three days. What I would like to see is a new game in the series. Now that Square owns the rights to the Ogre Battle name, and Square owns pretty much everyone but Matsuno, who worked on Ogre Battle since they bought Quest. I mean, they like Sakimoto, who started out writing the music for Ogre Battle, and then has since gone on to write music for plenty of things. But I mean, they have they have him to do the music. I think the guy that did the art for Quest is the same guy that did the art for Final Fantasy 3DS and that did the art direction for Final Fantasy 12. So they could have pumpkin heads that look the same, as Nice was starting to say earlier. Yes, so right. I, I, I'd like to see the next one game in the series. I think, I was probably clear earlier, but the Ogre Battle, the original version, is kind of a bit of a mess. It's still fun to play, but I don't think a direct yeah. port or even a virtual console release would be yeah, that great of a fun. thing. To find fun and enjoyable. <laughs> hey, people. Yeah, I mean, the original Ogre Battle was kind of... It didn't age that well. The gameplay didn't. Its gameplay has moved on since then. It was very slow great, and very long. A great, solid game with a lot of depth that just seemed to confuse the absolute daylights out of me when you were explaining it, let alone yeah. playing it. But if they were to touch that up and make it more accessible, like you're saying Ogre Battle 64 did, that would be yeah. good. So, yeah, and the Ogre Battle 64 port or remake would be nice, but what I would like to see best would be a new game in the series. For them not to Final Fantasy Tactics advance it, but to keep it good. <laughs> yes, that's what I was stabbing at earlier. And, and nice, know, I have in my living room pumpkin head figures. Anytime oh, I see a scarecrow that looks like oh, the pumpkin head from Ogre Battle, I have to buy it. So I only have four. It's not too much of a, a crazed habit, but I have four pumpkin head figures just oh, because awesome. like, I loved them so much in Ogre Battle. Nobody, nobody probably knows what we're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, considering we don't let any news people join our site until they've written a story, you know, one of the fake stories we make our news writers write is, you know, say that a new Ogre Battle game had been announced. We make all of our news people write that. So most of us here are hoping for the same thing. 
better have pumpkin head in it. Is that what yeah, you said? Yeah, they better oh, write yeah. heads in their news articles, or they're not getting hired. Did the uh, <laughs> that explains why we have little to no news people. If, if, right I, now. if I remember, Dang it, nice. I don't, that. I don't think that class was actually in the the GBA one. I it was they were vendors or something like that. I don't think you could actually play as them, which is horrible. All right. Well, that kind of segues us right in. There's a whole other series tied into these ogres, and that's Tactics Ogre. Tactics Ogre, much like Ogre Battle, started on the Nintendo or on the Super Nintendo, excuse me, made a port to the PlayStation, and was followed up by a sequel on a Nintendo system. In this case, the Nintendo Game Boy Advance. So, Tactics Ogre varies from Ogre Battle, in my opinion, completely differently. It is a standard tactical RPG instead of real-time, turned into, turn-based, turned into, I can't describe. Or Have you all played, just going back to Ogre Battle, have you played anything else ever like this game since? Uh, I've... One of the reasons why I actually wanted Soul Nomad is the the little grouping of, of characters. It wasn't in real time, but the little grouping of characters reminded me of Soul Nomad a little bit. And I, and from what I've... I, I mean, I've never played Yggdra, Yggdra, or however you're supposed to pronounce Yggdra. that game. Uh, but don't they fight in little groups, too? Uh, Yggdra Not just... Really. Yggdra Union is completely different. It reminds me of a cross between, you know, a tactical RPG and then Dragon Force, where you have... An army fighting another army once you actually go into combat, but trying this, to take numbers down. And but Seven's would probably know since he, he sent me uh, Soul Nomad. How exactly does the combat work? I watched a little tutorial on it, and it, all I know is they fight in little groups, and they're in in their rooms. Are they what do they call them? They're they call them rooms, but it it's like a as swad. far as that layout, it is the same. It's a real time with the leader walking on the map, and then it breaks out into squads fighting. So all that is the same as Ogre Battle. Right. And your room is basically your layout for combat once you go into combat. Yeah. Right. So you can set up your characters in a certain room style setting, and you have certain amounts of characters that you can give for each unit that you have on. So Soul Nomad's kind of a turn-based version of what Ogre Battle's like. Would you say that? Fairly? Loosely? I didn't really like Soul Nomad much. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say... It was, my, it was my first official staff review, and so I got called out in the forums for not knowing how to play tactics games because I didn't like it. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know anything. You, you failed. <laughs> noob. So no, I, I didn't like Soul noob. Nomad as much. It, um, Quiet noob. You yeah. haven't played anything. <laughs> you don't know how to play tactics games. You know... Move, attack, move, attack. How do you not get that? I was told, like, I think the forum posting was something like, clearly you've never played a tactics game before. I was like, ouch. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing <laughs> No, it wasn't that. the Soul Mad was hard, it was the opposite. I thought Soul Nomad, uh, it took all the charming parts of Ogre Battle and took them away. And took, I mean, the political plot was missing, the evilness was sort of missing. The evilness wasn't missing. I guess the insaneness yeah. was there. Yeah. The reputation meter is missing, I guess is a better way to put it. I mean, and this, is, right, this so is a slight tangent, but uh, isn't that really the case with most tactical RPGs anymore? I mean, it's not like they're known for having solid storylines or anything. Not usually. I mean, it's just all a gameplay. Well, and that kind of segues us right back. Tactics Ogre is dubbed by many as being the epitome of a Wonderful, classic, awesome, amazing tactical RPG because of its blend of gameplay, storytelling, 
and it just seems to be a cult favorite that people just can't find anything else that compares to it. What are your thoughts on that, uh, uh, Jonathan? Never played the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't own you... I didn't own a PlayStation system until like no, no, two no, years no, ago. No, no, no. Don't we have No, not ask him stuff like that. I'm gonna make you sit in the corner. I'm gonna bop you in the nose with newspaper. No, you can make, make something up. You've just made me sad. That well, was clearly, the worst. Tactics Ogre was was the game that changed my life. I mean, there was a dark time <laughs> in my life, and I started drinking alcohol when I was a teenager, and you know, fell into the world of drugs. And an old man walked up to me and gave me a, a copy of Tactics Ogre in a, in a brown paper bag, and he and told you me and sold it for another me, bottle of liquor. He told me this, right. this will change your life. This will this will give you the hope. And now he wears black. Yes, so I, I went home and I, I didn't have a PlayStation, so I made um, little little paper puppets and with little doll <coughs> furniture and and, and acted up. out the battles. Thumbs up, fail. Okay. <coughs> Get the hook, pull him off. Eep. Glenn, can can, can you save me in this? Do you like Tactics Ogre? I did like Tactics Ogre, and I played it well after it came out. I bought the PlayStation version for it in 2007 and played through it. Oh wow! And yeah, I enjoyed it. So I mean, I. I've played Final Fantasy Tactics long ago, mm-hmm. so I mean I've I've played all of Yasmat's other games well before I played this one, and yeah, I liked it. I really did. it lived up to all the hype. I thought it was very hard. I liked the way it made you think. You had to use strategy a lot on the maps. Yeah, but probably... you don't know how to play tactics games, man. <laughs> how to play them? Noob. Maybe I forgot. Noob. So maybe so you're not playing this. With... To, and then I forgot how to play them, and then I played Soul Nomad. So you're not playing with retro goggles at all. You played this last year, and right. you still think it held up to modern day tactical RPGs? Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was a great game. I thought it was better than most of the other ones I played before it. As far as saying what's better, Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre, uh, I I can kind of see going either way there. For me, I thought Tactics Ogre was a little better than Final Fantasy Tactics. I think that's the general consensus. It's just more that Final Fantasy Tactics seemed more accessible to the, well, Final Fantasy fan base. They saw it, drooled over it, and was like, ooh, must play, must play, must play! The, the real you know. question is the load time's horrible whenever you cast spells. If that's fixed, then it's just wonderful. Did Anybody Tactics remember that? have Tactics that kind of problem? I don't think so. Uh, that makes it automatically better. Because those, those load times are horrible. The lag you would experience... Which somehow it, s- seemed to stay in the PSP version, even though the PSP is probably stronger than a PlayStation. That was slightly annoying. Kind of sucked on its own way. Yeah. So, you know, having played it just recently, could you give us a brief summary of Tactics Ogre? Uh, you know, gameplay style, how it differs. You know, Tactics Ogre to- is the game that was so big that every Tactics game to come out of Japan ever since copies it. I mean, it's the same basic format as Final Fantasy Tactics, same basic format as Disgaea, same as um, Jean d'Arc. I mean, pretty much every major tactics strategy game that comes out, RPG that comes out of Japan, copies it. So, I mean, it's there's a grid. You move your little dudes on it. Enemy has his dudes. You take turns based on some statistic, and then you bop each other. So, uh, and how many in, dudes did you have in your party at a time? Eight? Eight each? Ten each? I want to say eight. I don't remember. Was that, a, was that a good answer for you? Yes, great answer. And nearly every map had you assaulting an enemy who had superior position to yours, and death was permanent. Oh, that's so nice. 
if a bunch of archers standing up on the top of a tower all happen to shoot your mage, who they can see at the start of the battle, the mage will die, and you have to reset. And this time, put the mage somewhere else. And then maybe all the archers will attack someone else, and he'll die, and then you got to reset. And eventually, you'd learn how to beat the stages. That's like horrible. that, only more fun than I made it sound. <laughs> yeah, because just listening to that sounds like a, you know, a trial and frustration more so than an amazing game. But I guess that's what you know, Tactics Ogre really was about, and you know, Final Fantasy Tactics after it was the challenge. It wasn't you know, Shining Force. Yay, you can beat this stage with your twelve characters with your hands tied behind your back and blindfolded and, you know, you also have no head or hands. So, you know, I felt Shining Force was really easy, so I guess when I played Tactics Ogre initially, I was definitely taken back because, you know, I apparently suck at playing games and I'm more of the person that should be called out for being bad at playing tactical games instead of you, Glenn, because... I guess I really sucked at it because it took me totally aback, and I was like, "Oh god, I suck!" Creak. Are you all there? Creak. Did I just turn you off? Creak. No, you echo. Am I echoing again? Because that makes no, me bad. stop. You stopped echoing. You're good. Okay. All right. So, Tactics Ogre was initially, you know, when it was on the PlayStation. Once again, another Atlas release, therefore it's not really that easy to find. And like Nice was saying earlier about buying the games now, when I bought it last year, that's the most I've ever paid for a video game. I think I got it on eBay for about seventy-five or eighty dollars. Uh-huh. That's the most. That's yeah. That's the most. That's the worst one I've done. Was Tactics Ogre. But it seems well worth it. I mean, you can't pass up on Tactics Ogre. Was it in pretty right, good condition? It. I mean, was it like a, a good condition one or? Or was it look like it was, was but it was good condition. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, as long as it didn't look like someone took steel wool to the front of the CD, you're no. okay. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it, it worked fine. It looked fine. All right. So, what really set it apart from other games that have come after it? What makes it, looking back on it now, look to be the greatest thing? Other than the challenge, were the classes neat? Did you enjoy that? I did, but for me, a challenging game that lets you use strategy to overcome the challenge, that will be my favorite type of game. So my other fa- favorite tactical RPG is uh, Yggdra Union, because it was the same situation. It was very hard, and you could think your way through and plan your moves and beat it. Not so brute- that more than anything else would be what made me like it. What was that? You couldn't just brute force your way through like you can. A lot of exact RPGs nowadays. If I remember right, enemies leveled up with you, so you could train between missions to get your levels up by making your army fight itself, which was kind of a pain in the butt and was time-consuming. But then you couldn't take advantage of that too much because enemies would level with you, so you always had your brain to, to overcome the battles. And just looking at all the scores for it, it seemed to have very high praise, as I start to echo again. Um... Our very own staff review gave it a 5 out of 5. You know, the core of this game's epic story and groundbreaking gameplay are timeless, emblematic reminders that the game is and forever will be a masterpiece. Yeah, that's some pretty heavy wording right there. Would you agree with that, Glenn? I do. I think that forever. I think if humans are still alive and capable of playing these games a thousand years from now, it will be timeless. 
It was a very good game. It was very well put together. All right, Jonathan. Tell me this. Mm-hmm. You said that you've never had a chance to play it. Mm-mm. How do you feel about the fact that you can only find it now for around 70 to $80, and that's for a used copy in good condition? You know, would you like to see a remake of this? Would you like to see it just directly ported? I mean, heaven forbid, you know, Square has been directly porting everything else. And, you know, of course, we've got the whole licensing, Atlas, published, blah, 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 crap going on, if it was possible. Sure. I mean, like, I'd be happy for a reprint. If they did a reprint, that'd be wonderful. I mean, (laughs) something even as simple as that. Because, I mean, this this goes back to one of my major annoyances, is that... There's all these really great games that I might have missed because I didn't have time or didn't have money or was you know I was occupied with other things and and now they, they drugs first, and alcohol apparently yeah like drugs and alcohol earlier. yeah and um, but now they're so expensive that I, I'll never I'll never buy them I mean and that's kind of sad you know it's like a good movie you know if there's a really good movie that's out and it's you know 30 years old you'll be able to find a copy of it somewhere these games are just going to be gone forever I mean unless someone tries to remake them. And I think that's the saddest part about this is the fact that, you know, Tactics Ogre is claimed to be the most, you know, kind of the bar that has been set in terms of tactical RPGs. And I love tactical RPGs. And I'm, you know, ashamed to say I didn't get to pick this up initially because, you know, once again, I was stupid and younger and. You know, was just wanting to buy every game I could get and then return it if I didn't enjoy it in the first two minutes. In this case, because I was stupid. I was stupid and was like, oh man, this is too hard. I can't play this. When now I've gotten better at tactical RPGs and would love, absolutely love to play this. And, you know, it's sad because I could have. I could have had it. 50 bucks. Could have had it, just like Ogre Battle. <laughs> and Ogre Battle 64. And everything else. I just want to shoot myself sometimes when I sit and think about not picking these games up. I mean, I, I guess that's why you're such a horde collector now, is every time I see something that's like, ooh, that could be good, I better buy it. Especially because it may be great in 10 years. Especially if it's an Atlas game. You might just never see it again. It might start yeah. the basis of a new genre or something, and yeah. That's, that's you should just buy four or five copies of every single Atlas game. Rondo uh, of Swords! Um... Okay. On another somewhere. topic, there was a second game that was released, and much like Ogre Battle 64, Tactics Ogre had a Game Boy Advance game that was called The Night of Lotus. Either of you get a chance to play that one? Yes, I do. In fact, I have a copy sitting over here. Somewhere. Oh, see, you finally not failed me. Yes. I, I would reach across this internet and give you a big hug. Just for that. I'm proud of you. Hugs. Give you a hug and a pat on the back. Maybe what a would nice you soda? like to tell about The Night of Lotus? Uh, I never finished it yet again. Uh, it's like I don't think I ever went through the entire campaign of Final Fantasy Tactics. It's a long game, but uh, the advanced take version. Take one step forward and you but, take two back. You haven't finished yes, it? Yes, yes. But uh, the, the one of the things that really disgruntled me about it is that it doesn't seem... The fact that... Okay, you know, in the original Ogre Battle, there was a lot of classes. A whole lot of classes. I mean, an insanely huge amount of classes. You might go the entire game and never get all of them. You know, it's impossible. But I can't remember how many there was for the uh, the uh, GBA game, but it was not that much. I mean, a small enough amount that it was very disappointing. And a lot of the really neat ones that did exist were taken out. And that really ruined it for me. Okay, I found it was... Um, 
looks like there was... I'm trying to Wikipedia it real fast, because I am a professional. <laughs> I am a professional, let me tell you. Yes. We don't know it, we'll wiki it. Or that, we'll just make things up. That's the answer to everything, is Wikipedia. we just know. We know exactly what we're going to do here. And that's that. <laughs> uh, All right. Sorry. But, Are you uh, there yet? Yeah. Uh, Are you no. there yet? Have you found it? They didn't have a stupid link to it. Oh, oh horrible, God. horrible. Glenn, can you save us again? Did you play Tactics Ogre the night? Ah, I found it. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. You, you can okay, just hold I'm on done. that thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's enough right, from you, Glenn. Right. Back to Jonathan. That's right. Well, see, the thing Reporting about... Reporting live from Wikipedia. This is the game of the ages! Ages, ages. That was a nice awkward silence. Uh, but uh, the something okay, something that we never went into is that in Ogre Battle, you just didn't have characters. You also had creatures, and like you could have, they took up more slots than a normal person. So you could have, you know, like an octopus or a griffin or something like that. You could have an octopus. Oh, that yeah. is freaking awesome. Yeah, or, or like you know, wasn't there dragons? Did too? Ogre Battle '64 have one? Did they have octopi? I can't remember if they had octopi Lynn? or not. But they had. Lynn? They had, Did they had octopi. I don't think so. I don't think they had. Oh. I don't think there were water maps. And I was going to go to eBay right now and buy a copy of Ogre Battle '64 if it had octopi. octopi. <laughs> yeah. What's in the first Ogre Battle? You can go buy that. Yeah. No, that's too expensive. The octopi. I would do Ogre Battle '64. I'm cheap. I could afford that. But like the beast, like you'd have. There ha- are dragons. Yeah, there are. And you'd uh, you, the original one. You'd have yeah. you know like of beasts. You would have I don't know ten or fifteen different kind. I used to have a map. The original game came with a map that actually showed all of them that I I looked at before. Whenever I had it, and don't give that to Glenn. Uh, it wouldn't help him. But uh, the uh, GBA version, they they watered it down. I mean, there was like maybe not. It seemed like half the the amount of units that they did have, and they were all the really basic ones. You know, you had ninja, knight, you know that sort of thing. And um, very, huh? Yeah, it's very it, original. Yes. Oh yeah, it, it seemed like it. It didn't. Well, I guess you know at that point, uh, that's when I had been gone, and I guess they were just trying to sell the name at that point. But all right, let's. Just get a quick overview from both of you. I want to know, did both of them have kind of your generic characters like Final Fantasy Tactics? You had the hero character, and then you had a bunch of recruitable generic characters that didn't have any kind of story to them. They were just named, and you'd hire yeah. them, and they'd just go off with you till mm-hmm. you know, the Hell's Gates and just fight against everything just because you had signed them up. Was it the same with Tactics Ogres, both of these? It was, wasn't it? Yes. They, they still had to yeah, be upgraded, and they were like, like a knight was the low. I mean, not a, a fighter. I think was the lowest male one, and I can't remember. That's what just something I absolutely hate. Hmm? What was one difference? One difference. I need some differences. Well, Give me a difference. In, in the original ogre battle, whenever unique characters joined you, you owned them. You could change their class and do whatever you wanted to them. In tactics ogre, some so of the they were slaves. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to support that. It's, and in Tactics Ogre, the first game, they they had unique classes, if I remember right. I can't remember if you could change them or not, but a lot of the unique characters who joined you had their own class that you could never make on your own. Hmm. Interesting. So the benefit in the first Ogre battle was unique characters would have very good stats. They had higher stats than recruitables. But yeah, there there weren't there weren't that many unique characters. Most of your army was made out of people that you generics that you recruited. Yeah. So it truly did kind of follow the pattern that you know, Final Fantasy Tactics followed this pattern later on and kind of gave 
way to Tactics Ogre, and they still had the generic characters for the most part. You had your hero, and then you had the recruitables that were kind of unique and kind of more powerful and that you could ditch your recruitable characters for, but still didn't really get any kind of story advancement. That's the only thing I've hated about all of these Tactics games, is I liked having characters that really had some kind of meaning to the story. I didn't like to have Billy Bob that you just hired down at the bar, and he was just hanging out with you because he was like, well, I ain't got nothing better to do, so I'm going to go, and you got my sword for as long as you want, and I'll just keep fighting. You, know, they you can those... count on my blade. Yeah. Why? Why can I count on your blade? Why do you care that this evil force is going and destroying the world? I hired you at a bar. It, you cost me 100 gold. You haven't asked for any more later on. Apparently, I've just bought your soul. And it was only 100 gold, so, you know, you were really cheap. And you're going to go with me forever until I let you die. In all these Ogre Battle games, there was more of a strict class progression, whereas in Final Fantasy Tactics, you could just make any unit, any class, and there was more built-on double-classing or triple-classing and combining the abilities. In Ogre Battle, there's a progression. So, like, in Ogre Battle 64, you would get soldiers, and there'd be three puny spearmen things who could barely do any damage. And if they went long enough without dying they would turn into a soldier. And then maybe you could upgrade that soldier to a knight, and then you'd upgrade that knight to a paladin. So some of the generic units you have at the end of the game, you might have worked on to level up three or four different times through the classes. It wasn't wasn't like he'll be a black mage for a few battles, and then he'll be a fighter for a few battles, and then you combine them to make an uber-fighter black mage. This was more someone worked with and coaxed along. Yeah, and you had to to kind of plan it a little bit in advance because of that. If you were really experienced at the game... uh, about any of them, really. You had to think, okay, I want this many ninjas or something like that. And then, you know, you had to kind of gently push them that direction, you know. Otherwise, See, you might end up with, a, really with all night and a whole bunch of Amazons or something like that. I, I like hearing that because that's that's the one thing that's just driven me absolutely nuts is you will have, you know, like I said, Billy Bob that you hired down at the bar who's with you forever for no reason whatsoever just because. And, you know, he's a fighter one minute. Oh, well, here, learn some black magic, okay? Woo, costume change! I am black mage! Woohoo, feel my wrath, my fiery wrath. It will burn me. <laughs> you know, why? I like the fact that you can get a soldier, and if you train him, and he's just really awesome, and he's like, woohoo, I'm getting better, I'm not dead yet, so now I'm a paladin, or something like that. That sounds really cool. Or if you send him on evil missions, maybe he'll become a dark knight. You know, something like what that. also comes down to the strong political motives. All the Ogre Battle games had very strong political plots. So the idea is that you're leading an army, but you're also going to be the leader of the nation when you win. Or, you know, you're a rebel, and so you start out with a rebel army. So the people who join you are people who... You have a strong cause going for you. So even the plot, unique characters who join you, join you for your cause to help usurp this evil leader who uses demons in his army. So there's, there is that side of it, too especially in the first Ogre Battle in the Ogre Battle 64, like when you're liberating cities, and then you can talk to NPCs in the city very briefly, and some will like you and some won't, but there's always a very strong political charge the entire game. Okay. Well, I feel like I've kind of glossed over Tactics Ogre a little bit too much, but is there anything else you'd like to add about Tactics Ogre, either of the games? You know, they're tactical RPGs. It's hard to really go into depth about that. Most of us know what a tactical RPG is. We've talked about Matsuno and his wonderful storytelling and how he immerses everybody in his games. Anything else you'd like to add on either of those? Yeah, that one's rare, if not, too. Well, I, 
I didn't really Switch. like the Tactics Ogre for Game Boy Advance that much. Yeah, I was disappointed in it. Yeah, I, kind I of it was a uh, version. Yeah, I mean, it was. I agree with everything Nice said. I don't really need to repeat it. But it also had one pet peeve was you had to kill every unit on the map, and units would run from you if they were oh, losing. Oh yeah. So you annoying. might be battling on a giant ocean, and there's an octopus who can move like ten ocean squares a turn, mm-hmm. and your entire army is humans that move one ocean square a turn. <laughs> so you might spend thirty minutes with one damn octopus going back and forth across the map, and you can't get your guys close enough to hit them. So and that happens to fight octopi. You don't need to fight octopi. <laughs> You just you don't. That's what you get. Octopi yeah. and mermaids. Yeah. Ooh, mermaids. So yeah, there, that really. There were mermaids in there. Uh huh. Yeah, all the Ogre battle games have mermaids. Dude, had, you've totally piqued my interest now. Yeah, they have mermaids. really. Aw- <laughs> there's incredible classes in all of them. They have really neat classes. They're not. They're not super generic at all. Yeah. You could get mm-hmm. vampires, went... and and during the day, uh, the vampires would be in their coffins and they wouldn't fight, but at night they would they'd come out of their coffins and they'd be vampires. So, like, during All the right. day when they're in your little group, they'd just be floating in a coffin in their formation. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. So, on Tactics Ogre, Glenn, what would you like to see? Would you like to see a remake? Do you think it's better left untouched? Would you like to just see it forever stay as eBay fodder for the highest-priced PlayStation and Super Nintendo game ever? What would you well, like? Well, in a magical world where companies start reprinting old games that people like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with Nice. I'd like to see it reprinted. As it is, I don't see a point to remake it. It's one of those pretty 2D games that worked really well in 2D, and I don't see much of a point in remaking it in 3D. So mm-hmm. a, a remake wouldn't make sense to me. A port... Uh, it's been well I mean, I guess I'm biased because I own it. it. I mean, yeah. the problem with a lot of ports are, is, you know, sometimes they're really bad. So in a game that's really good, you don't want to get bad, because then it's going to... You don't want to kind of soil or cheapen, I guess, or eBay cheapen, literally, this game any whatsoever. So, So, just like to see a reprint would be ideal. I mean, I'm still waiting for the day when companies wise up and actually reprint older games. I mean, I guess that would be a port. They wouldn't reprint, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Super Nintendo cartridge or a PlayStation 1 disc, but... I mean, so I guess a, a port, a port would work. I, I don't see a point in remaking it, or much of a point in making a new game in the Tactics Ogre series, because the Tactics Ogre formula is what's been copied so much. Like, I, I don't see a Tactics Ogre three being that much different from a Final Fantasy Tactics two or two. three or four, however you count the DS game, or the horribly drastic, retarded cousin that is now Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Right. Right. A two. Personal bias aside, I'll just put that out of the way. So we actually only saw this on PlayStation. This one didn't make it to the United States or North America on the Super Nintendo, so a lot of the people didn't get to play it in the younger years when we could borrow games for from other people and never return them and therefore claim them forever. So They're blowing going on that, would you agree the same? Nice. What would you like to see? Would you like to see a port? Would you like to see just a reprint? Do you think it just needs to be untouched? Uh, probably just a reprint. I'm afraid if they they ported over a lot of the stuff, it would just be horrible. I mean, you know, that's really it's the sad best way to, to say. go. Because you know, it's uh, getting the hardware of the systems themselves isn't that expensive anymore. I mean, you, I mean, the games cost way more than any of the systems will cost you. And you could see that's that. the only problem though is people really. What would they be able to play it on? They'd have to buy an old PlayStation 2 because heaven knows. Do the PlayStation 3s now play 
No. They, they recently they removed... The, first, they were going to have... They had all hardware backwards compatibility, and then they added a 80 gig of uh, PlayStation 3 that had software backwards compatibility, and now they're what taking... What about PlayStation games? I know they didn't play PlayStation 2 stuff. Yes. What about original PlayStation? I thought yeah. they still had that. Yeah, they do software emulation of the original PlayStation games, so... Okay. Yeah, so I guess there, you there's could still kind some of bugs in them. That. Yeah, there's still some bugs in them, and some of the games don't run real well. They'll have really bad graphical glitches or something, but... Uh, they run for the most part. Or like some people, you could actually maybe get the PlayStation version and play it on your PSP. But we don't formally support that, so I'm not going to mention that one. Do they? Or the fact that I... That. Never mind. <laughs> all right, so looking back on all this, I mean, I hate to not have a, you know, a port of this. I, I, don't, I agree with you. I don't think it would be the best idea because it would kind of cheapen the experience, and it may not... <sighs> I don't know how well it would date for other people, and, you know, fanboys would tear it apart and all of that stuff. It's better left in the past as a classic. Well, we do have the standard set that every RPG backtrack we do, one of the games we mentioned gets brought out in Virtual Console immediately. So maybe yeah. one of these four will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had very good time with the yeah Super Mario RPG coming out right after our last RPG backtrack, so maybe, maybe this will be the next one. Or maybe they'll you release it as a uh, downloadable game on uh, PSN, which uh, that will probably not happen because they never release any games on PSN in the United States, but... Uh, oh, oh, that's the biggest joke What's ever. the PSN? Uh. Yeah. yeah the like, they have, they have like a hundred games or something crazy like that in Japan. I mean, they don't really know. They've got here. Xenogears in Japan. Yeah. They've put Xenogears out. But do we ever get that? No. No! Mm-hmm. So... What I would like to see, I guess, is just a way to play this somehow. I'd like to get a chance to play it, so you know, I may have to break down and actually buy it on eBay. And considering my experience on all of these games has been a lot more limited than either of you, you've made me not want to play Tactics <laughs> Ogre, the Night of the Knight uh, of Lotus. You've made me want to find a copy of Tactics Ogre, but not in a big way. Maybe just cross my fingers and wish to fairies and all that stuff that eventually it'll come out here. You've made me even more confused on Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen. And you've made me actually want to buy Ogre Battle 64. That'd probably be the, the best way to go, because I don't think that cost real expensive, is it? I mean, it's, yeah, probably, it's probably rather cost che- less now than it did do. It's probably well, one of I'd the cheaper ones them. of them. I'd have to hook up the monstrosity that is my Nintendo 64, though, so... Yeah, that's true. <sighs> it might be worth looking into. But if anybody Smaller out there... than a 360. If anybody's out there is, is listening, that's probably be definitely the way to go, because especially if you don't have a Nintendo 64, Nintendo 64 sell dirt cheap anymore. I mean, you can get, like, refurbished ones for, like, 30, 40 bucks. If anybody out there is listening and wants to send me their copy, I will gladly give you my email, or my address. I'll be glad to take it. Well, I'm listening, and I have a copy, and I'm not sending it to you. Yeah, like, here's a here's an auction for a complete Ogre Battle 64, and it's at $15. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's not it's not horribly unreasonable. I might look into that now. Well, we didn't really touch anything other than Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre, and that's probably for the best. We don't want to go too in-depth about Final Fantasy Tactics. It's kind of its own own game and now its own genre unto itself for better or worse so I guess that brings us close to the end of this RPG backtrack we've backtracked all the way from the beginning to the modern day that doesn't work does it 
who knows? I guess if you're playing Infinite Undiscovery, it does. So. If, you, we're playing else, Indi- if we're playing Infinite Undiscovery, you walk backwards and search around in a valley that has absolutely no entrance but one entrance until somehow you walk by a bird that starts talking to you or something crazy like that that didn't used to be there. And, and you only know that because you stepped on a pebble a certain way. And you spent three hours you trying to find about it. Infinite yeah. Undiscovery? Yeah. We need to not butcher this RPG backtrack with uh, totally off-topic stuff. But it's fun. It's fun. I know. Well, I'd just like to thank our panel. I'd like to thank Jonathan for kind of recording and editing this and doing a lot of other behind-the-scenes stuff. I would like to thank Glenn for showing up and saving us many times when Jonathan failed me. Because I've, you know, beaten all the games. Yes, but you suck at tactics games. Uh, I do. Never, I'm very inexperienced. I haven't never played, played that many of them. No, haven't ever played any. Mm-mm. Sad to say. I don't know what. Don't know what I'm going to do with either of you. I'm just going to lock you in a room and make you play Valhalla Nights too. Ah. <laughs> okay, he can. Uh, I'll, I'll play. Va- I've already uh, done that. I'll play Valhalla Nights too, <laughs> and he can play Dungeon Explorer PSP and finish it. You should make him review that. Yeah. Uh, I think no. I will win that. It's it's like a it takes like eighty or ninety hours to finish. It's a horrible game. It's really tedious. Oh, yeah. well, gentlemen, that is it for this RPG backtrack. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for listening. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Dig us on dig if we figure out how to put it on there. I think I did that with the RPG backtrack. It took a little while, but we did. And. If you have any other questions, comments, concerns, complaints, you can email us at backtrack at rpgamer.com. You can chat about us in the forums. You can email us directly, even though you know, we might not answer. It depends on how you know nice you are. And if you're offering candy. Or cookies. If you offer cookies, cookies, yeah, oh God, especially cookies or brownies. Of N64 tapes. Or if you want to send me a copy of Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber, I will gladly take it. You know, And I'll play it eventually. Maybe. Someday. And stuff. Whenever my stack of games starts dwindling down. That'll happen soon, yeah. <sighs> Alright, well, that is it. We will see you next time. Thank you for joining us, and uh, next time around we might have just a nice cool little secret for you so do enjoy and we will talk to you later say goodbye guys bye 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 bye